Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gary Holt from Exodus and formerly from Slayer, and you're listening to The Razor's Edge. Thanks for joining, um, and obviously discuss the, um, the the record that you've got coming out. Um, so, um, in absence of light is is the title, and it comes out next Friday, twenty um, seventh of January, and it's being released via Church Church Road Records. Um, really, just kind of initial um, interest in in the writing process for this. So, if I'm correct. Um, the material from the de- some basically the demo material that came out in November twenty one is used towards this album. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, for, as well as that, I mean, obviously, as well as using that material, how much um, prior to the demo being written was kind of set in stone of the of the other tracks, or was it a case of complete clean slate once that was out that you had to to really continue writing towards the album? No, so I think, um, to be fair, once the, the first three tracks we went in and recorded, um, as you say, say, November 21 sort of time, um, we've often kind of been writing together. It's been a process of the songs that we've worked on most recently then sort of inform the direction or help us kind of map, a, you know, chart a course to the next set of songs. So although there was riffs and ideas and um, concepts being worked on and things being spoken about once those those three songs have been written and recorded we then had free reign to look at what the material we had did we scrap it did we start again keep bits of it and then build the next part because you kind of you, you get an atmosphere and an idea and a feeling um before you go and record but it only becomes fully realized once you're in the studio once you get the sounds together and you get the atmospheres and the bits that are unfinished before you go in the arrangements those then the songs sort of come to life and become almost completed in in the in the studio so once we've done that for those first three songs, it kind of gave us, I guess, more of an idea of um, what we were looking to do to shape the, the next set of um, songs that we came into. So of, of those, um, you know, the, the other tracks that you hear on the album were part written um, and there was bits and bobs of it, but I think they were fully realised once we've been in for those to record the first bit. So it's a bit unusual, I think, to record an album in two, two segments, but it sort of really worked for us in kind of giving us the space of having those those three songs and then making sure if you like the atmosphere and the feel of those three wasn't lost when it came to putting the rest of the album together and we were able to kind of uh, expand on it and it, that's partly why it made sense to do the running order that we did for the album it's just like a natural progression of sound and style um we felt from those first three into the into the next four songs that, that make up the in the absence of light album with the um with obviously doing it in that way did you find by having that time to basically to, to regroup your thoughts and, and work on those, those that second batch of songs. Did that process take, um, take, I mean, I know there's obviously more songs you recorded, but did you find it a longer process in the studio or because you had a really good idea of it, did things run maybe a bit, um, a bit smoother and a bit faster when you were working through them? So I think we, uh, myself and Lee did quite a lot of work um, between ourselves, like outside of the, the studio, if you like, passing ideas forward and backwards that help help formulate uh, where we're going to go with the full length track. So, um, but as we were saying, the songs themselves sort of come together in the studio um, as, a, as a final product. But we, we like to put a bit of pressure on ourselves by having quite tight, um, almost like restricts our recording time because it you know fuels and inspires the inspiration in the studio to finish off those bits and to come up with a kind of extra last sort of touch creative moments. Um, but, you know, we were aware of when we were recording and we had um, a period of six months to work on the, the next batch of songs to complete the album. We sort of 
used it as we normally would by coming in with things, you know, a very clear idea of what we wanted to do, but maybe not everything was fully finished because we had the ideas of how to finish it off. You know, we're going to work through that when we're in the in the studio for the second time. But so if you want to come in, lay on any any of those bits that sort of you know the, the interim gap between the, the two sort of segments to it. But. Obviously, you've obviously mentioned about um, the, the creating the atmospheres within the album. When you're blending, kind, when you're blending the styles that you do together, the death metal elements and the doom elements, what do you feel is the most important? Um, basically, the, the key things that you need to do musically to to create that style because it's it's two styles that work really, really well together when they're done right. Yet, if they're done wrong it's you can you can tell what do you guys feel is is the most important and likewise what is it that you as a band feel that you excel at in is there a particular type is there basically a particular thing that you guys feel that you excel at in your songwriting um, processes in terms of the songwriting process for us we're very much slaves to where the music's taking us it sounds ridiculous but you know, in the very early stages of writing a song, whether it's a song that may, you know may start with a faster riff or a slower idea or whatever, we, we really are led by that. There are no rules as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Um, we have very, very uh, strict and um, uh, ruthless <laughs> comes um, to the songwriting element. So for us, when we feel we're on the right direction, that really for us matter whether it's uh, what the tempo is for us and at this stage of the development of music heavy metal music and so on you know i i don't see great differences enormous differences between say doom metal death metal uh black metal and so on all the subgenres. for me if you were to see them written out in notation there would there would be less difference there i think tempo which subgenre you're referring to there. But you are right, you know, um, it, it does have to link together well. Otherwise, it seems uh, I've certainly um, witnessed it being fudged together and it just come off. For us, we spend a huge amount of time in the creative process uh, refining the uh, song so that different, you know, individual parts work well together and 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 um and fit together rather than just a, a, a um endless parade of rifts which you know it gets pretty monotonous for a um a listener i think we we really do craft those songs within an inch of their lives and that's actually what takes the time to be honest coming up with riff ideas and song ideas and concepts and themes song titles lyrics for us is easy uh, the real work is crafting that song into something that we ourselves are happy with and something that the listener can be um, a lot of pleasure from as well. And I think the bit you talk about, you know, what, what's the what's the USP and what's the, the focus of it, is that bringing it all together. So it's the overall atmosphere, um, the overall kind of um, emotional response, but also the kind of the, the listening journey that you go on, um, both from us creatively listening back to our own things, but also we want the, the listener to, to go in and be interested in and to be taken along by, you know, you're kind of almost creating a, 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 a horrible dark atmosphere um, through the medium of music rather than through a horror film or through some sort of, you know, cinematic visual approach. And it's just a different instrument and different ways to sort of put that art across. But it does have to tell 
some sort of story or take you on some sort of journey, you know, capture you from point A, take you to point C through various different ways of doing it. Or else it just isn't interesting. I think, you know, there's a million bands over the last 30 years that can blast for two and a half minutes and do it better than we can. But when you introduce a blast at the right time or when you introduce a grind bit or a doom bit in a way that enhances or improves or takes a song um, somewhere else, um, somewhere interesting and somewhere darker or somewhere challenging or, you know, interesting, I think that's for us is the really exciting and kind of you know uh, the spark for us in the creative process is, is finding ways to do that and finding ways to do that perhaps slightly differently but within i guess there's you know the death doom genre isn't the the widest kind of sphere of influence there's not something to be dropping trip hop bits in there but finding ways to keep it interesting and to keep that kind of um for us as writers and people listening as well yeah there's there's enough bands i think the message there is from us is that there are more than enough bands out there who do one thing and do it spectacularly well. Um, and, you know, we love that stuff too. It's just not what, what we enjoy writing and um, performing and recording and so on. Um, we do try and do something a little bit different. With, you know, hopefully people will uh, enjoy and be able to, um, which is to be something a little different from the norm. So working with, with Church Road Records, they're releasing a, is it a CD and a tape variant of the album. Yes. Yeah. Um, with obviously, we're seeing a lot more um, labels release multi-formats of releases. So you'll have labels who are releasing vinyl and CD, CD and tape. Is that a Do you feel that more positive in, in, ba in basically record sales? I know that it might, that it's um, been for a long time more geared towards streaming, but it does seem to be an uptake of multiple formats being pressed. Do you feel that's a positive sign for artists that they're actually going to be seeing more physical sales and therefore essentially getting um, getting more financial support from these sales? Possibly. I think the bit for us that is important is that it clarifies and confirms it's an album. You know, it's not a series of singles or a selection of songs. It kind of reinforces that album. <laughs> and that, that for us is really, really important, you know, kind of, all messing around and joking aside, I'm not a, a playlist or a singles listener. You know, it's a, there's an investment in an, an album as a, as a concept and as a format that I particularly enjoy and particularly think is, is an art. You know, the, the as Lee mentions, we, you know, the time we spend on things like concepts around titles, but also track listing and how it, a form of music flows for 50 odd minutes and how it can keep you telling different stories across that time. So I think the, the you know, the, the what's the word? Um, the ask of us, you know, for there to be physical formats of it was was in line with that, that reinforcement of an album um, as, you know, something that we've we've always gone back to as our preference for in, in how we sort of digest and listen to to this this sort of music. So. And also there's um, something that we're keen to do, perhaps if there's a vinyl pressing of this album, certainly um, for the second album will be, you know, you can get artistic with the different formats and produce different album covers for each um, format and make it a creative exercise as well, rather than a purely uh, commercial um, side, you know. Um, so there is something to satisfy your creativity by releasing on multiple formats rather than just the um, numbers. And I think the final bit as well is it's almost like... Um a realization of some of the elements on your on your on your bucket list, if you like, as a as a musician, as a as an artist, in that releasing on cassette, as we us growing up buying our albums in the nineties, 
um, that was you know a very popular format back then, and it's not necessarily something I thought that would be able to do because you know cassette as a format died out. But I think it's it's, it's a nice collectible, um, you know, from that that side of things as well. So that definitely piqued the interest when um, the idea changed from the idea of releasing on cassettes. Well, we're, we're all over that. I think it's a bit of a touch of nostalgia, um, but also something is basically something different um, to to sort of you know to all the to some of the standard releases or just being digital. I think having a physical um, copy then was, you know, was important for us. And Church Road are just very, very good at that stuff. Um, you know, that's kind of the main point is that they do a lot of it. They were full of fantastic ideas on what we could do to make it different um, so on. Um, and plus people are just, people love to collect. I do. I, I've just spent, far too much money on a cross box set i you know i didn't need it i have all the albums but i bought it you know because i love collecting the stuff for bands that i love Mm. and that's um you know people are more and more keen to do that these days whereas those in years gone by you were very restricted um you know you might be able to get it on the you know on, on cd only or tape only or or perhaps you had it on all the formats, the artwork was the same. You know, there was there's more choice these days. I think that's a good with regard of going going back to the album and the writing process, what are the um basically what did you want to t- what did you touch on lyrically with the album and the and the writing of the lyrics for it? So yeah, um so part of part of it for myself, um, from a selfish point of view, is when coming up with lyrics, there's always to try and do something different to, to what I've done before try and put myself into different mindsets or different um kind of approaches to it so i've taken a variety of approaches in the past of fully realized stories and, and concept arcs and so on but generally it's about being led by the atmosphere of the music and helping to create um i guess further embellishments and further bits that that fully realize that you know that artistic feel that atmosphere of, of everything so um, always aware of that, always mindful, particularly in this sort of music. I mean, we grew up with um, Paradise Lost, with um, My Dying Bride, there's a certain poetry, uh, there's a certain um, romantic kind of yearning and feeling that is in a lot of the lyrics of you know, the Peaceful Three and, and the related bands that we, we grew, up, grew up listening to and uh, absolutely underpin um, everything that we do musically. So it was referring back to those, but trying to do it in a way that I said, challenged myself slightly in. Um, I don't necessarily think the concepts or, the, or the, the lyrics and the stories are things that would necessarily be interesting for everyone for me to talk through, but it was around challenging myself to review certain parts of my life and certain decisions and certain kind of um, uh, journeys and crossroads um, and where I've been that have taken me to places where I felt I needed to change in myself um, and then trying to reflect that in a way that fitted with the musical style. You know, that was what I took from the atmosphere of the music that was, was coming through. Um, a period of reflection, a period of kind of um, repentance, or what a better, better phrase, and a period of renewal. Um, and those sort of three stages and that journey was what was trying to be reflected in the lyrics, but without putting too too much of a, an obvious story or a tell as to what that is, either for me or to try and, I was definitely trying not to lead anyone listening or interested in reading the lyrics into making any assumptions to what those you know um, paths or, or decisions were, but, but hopefully to raise a point of reflection for people, you know, to recognise in themselves at certain points we have um, really key decisions to make as to who we are and who we want to be and what we need to do to, to change our situations. Um, so there's those those reflections, um, certainly a lot more personal than I've allowed myself to be 
um, in terms of creative processes before. Uh, and that was quite quite difficult because to get to that place without becoming trite or cheesy, I find can be quite difficult. But to try and reflect that back in a, in a use of language that reflected the mood of the music, um, I, in the end, was ultimately enjoyable, though there was some, definitely some uh, some difficult and challenging points for me and how I wanted to sort of phrase and get things across. But. Yeah, the lyrics, from where I sit in the band, which is purely on a musical side, lyrics for me are a massive strength for the band. I'm in trouble to look into them and read through them. We're definitely on a mission to bring back some of that poetic element to lyrics. That's something that I think there's huge potential for in our music, and we'll continue to do that. I mean, basically, final question from me is um, is is basically about uh, potential for the band to do. What's the what's the plan to to promote the release? Um, I mean, are you actively um, pursuing live performances, or is it strictly at the moment a, a project that's going to be more focused on on just writing and recording? So I think that the music will always like the recorded music will always come first. I think our focus is on that creative process. We're already. Um, like waist deep in working through ideas for for a second album and how that sounds and what we want that to, to be and what we, and how we want that to be different from what is going to be released next week, um, but also a continuation. So we've got those you know those key reference points. So that is always for us. I mean myself and they've always been around the next song or the next set of songs or the next album, the next release. Um, I remember seeing an article with Devin Townsend saying like he releases an album and then he has, he's really frustrated because he has to go and tour it for two years. And we've never wanted to trap ourselves with that. When we're ready to move on to the next creative piece, we're ready to be barked. We do also want to represent us in a live environment. Um, we, we're talking about how that will work and what the best way to do that is. And we're much more around, I suppose, select some profile appearances, whether that's key support slots or um, ideally a couple of you know hand-selected uh, festivals if their vision of having us on matches our vision of being there. Um, but that, for me, I think is where we'd be looking to do, you know, ideally sort of three or four uh, really key, really important for us, um, showpiece, live performances a year, um, and then to to sort of to present the songs that way. But we're part of it and us as to how we can make it slightly more interesting than just being four people standing in a dark room with some lights on us playing, playing music back at people. So there's that balance as well. So the, the challenge for us is how to make it a live performance, in, not necessarily interesting, sorry, but more special than just the kind of playing back of what we've we've recorded. I, I, I presume because obviously there's there's a lot that goes into your music in the background. I, I there's going to be more to obviously um, sorting a live performance than just playing. There's going to be more added, I say, ambience, basically behind the music to try and really lift the songs in a live format. Would I be right in that kind of assumption? Yeah, that, these are the sorts of things that we're kicking around at the moment. Really, because whilst we do take a step at a time, we're, there's no grand plan at the moment. Um, you know, we want to make those, we want to make the gigs that we play really special. And as you rightly say, there's actually a lot of um, texture, layers, atmosphere that goes into the album. And we don't want to lose that. We're absolutely blessed to have a good friend of ours um, help with music. That kind of realm, and whether we find a way to bring him into the live setup, or whether we, you know, go about it a different way, we're not too sure yet. Really, I think that's the that's the answer. But we're one thing we're certain of is that strip away all the 
atmospherics and the extra production that we put onto our record, you know, we know that the music is powerful, dark enough to transcend in the live environment. So we've got no real concerns about that. However, we go around doing it is uh, what's up discussion at the minute. So, um, you know, we're really excited to do live shows and, and they're, um, when the decision's made on that, it will be an absolute pleasure to share that with everybody. Now it's just kind of making sure that it's right and not rushing into anything. There's a lot of bands on the road at the moment. Um, there's a lot of bands out there in, um, in the music scene. So we're, we're in no rush. Uh, we've got to confidence in what we do. When we round to it, will be the right time, really. Yeah, I think that's part of the ethos that comes through in the writing as well, is that we might put pressure on ourselves in terms of setting our recording times to be quite tight to give us the inspiration to finish off what we've got. But the creative process and the getting there is about getting it right mm. before, um, before we, we're at the point of having that final product available for other people. Um, you know, it's a lot of, lot of time and thought that goes into it. So you wouldn't want to throw it away by heading out and doing a series of you know, pub shows that aren't going to benefit either you know, us or the people watching. I think it's you know, a, a key aspect for us. It has to be and feel... Um, that we've considered everything and we've we've got it right for how we want to present the music and the material. But but as Lee says on the back of that, well being very confident that if we strip it down to four people playing live in a in a room, that we absolutely have the the atmosphere and the, the power and the depth in the songs to be able to do that. It's just that we'd like to think there's different ways we can present it to really enhance it. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to just add toward the end of the interview um, at all? But um, as I say, I just want to say thank you for um, taking your time out to talk to us. No, it's, it's absolutely uh, great. So thanks from us to you for for the interest and for the support you've really shown by um, sharing the, the information around the record before and then and having today's catch up. Um, just want to say that we we feel a bit humbled and really grateful that people we wanted to work with in Church Road shared the same vision with us and, uh, and helping us to kind of realise that and get that out to the people in a very sort of credible and very uh, supportive way. So um, we feel things have gone better than expected so far. I'm really happy with the, the build-up to, to the album. And let's see what happens next Friday, you know, when In the Absence of Light is out there and then we can see how the, the, the sort of the public response to it is. But feeling very optimistic, which considering a lot of the music is quite dark and... Uh, yeah, um, reflective. Um, it's, it's an interesting headspace to be in to be very optimistic about the future for it. So. Thanks for listening. Make sure you keep up to date with future episodes by subscribing to our channels. For more information on this podcast, or for all the latest music news, reviews, interviews and more, head over to our website, www.theraisersedge.com dot rocks.